Deep in the heart of the LC Valley lies the final destination, Harris Field. 188 teams begin the journey all with hope that their road leads to Lewiston, Idaho. In the end, only nine teams will celebrate that accomplishment, and only one will be dogpiling on Harris Field, crowned the nation's best. Last season, Tennessee Wesleyan had the honor. Now the Bulldogs look to repeat. Many challenges await, but the road to Lewiston begins now with the NAI Ball Podcast, and we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast, coming to you live right now. And as always, I am your host, Robbie Gutierrez, RobG1063 on Twitter. And joining me, as always, on the podcast is the man himself, Mr. Cody Butler, the foremost authority of NAI Baseball. Man, Cody, glad to have you along here with me. Season 3, Episode 1, I'm ready to get it rolling. Absolutely, Robbie. I just cannot wait for the start of 2020. Uh, Four months of baseball, that's all we get, and I'm looking forward to it. The journey to Lewiston, I'm on the road to Lewiston and everyone else, and I look forward to seeing those nine teams there in May. It is so exciting. I am so happy to be back. Of course, we do not want to forget that the NAI Ball Podcast is brought to you by Silverback Sports. ShopSilverback.com. Thank you to everyone over at Silverback Sports for all of their support of NAI Ball. So excited to be here with you. So excited to have Season 3. Cody, man, when we started, like we thought, let's just get through Season 1. And now here we are getting going all over again. Season 3 of the podcast right here. Right now, we want to give a quick shout to all the coaches who filled out our questionnaires, to all the coaches who have taken our phone calls, returned emails, you know, who who have talked to us. I mean, literally, coaches all across the nation have either heard from me or Cody at some point, you know, here in the last couple of weeks. And we've talked to just about everyone, I feel like. So it is really great. We thank you all for the support. Thank you for filling out the questionnaires and getting back to us. Yeah, we really appreciate that. I mean, it's just, it's such a tremendous help. It takes a village and we try to learn as much about each and every team before the season starts so we can be knowledgeable. And uh, we couldn't do that without the coach's help. So we really appreciate that. 100% agree on that, Cody. So you may be asking yourself, what's new? What's upcoming with NAI Ball? Every year we try to do something different. Every year we try to get a little bit better. Last year we were at ABCA. A lot of y'all reached out to myself if we were going to be doing the same thing at ABCA. We weren't able to do that this year in Nashville, but... We've got some really cool things coming up. As we announced earlier in the year, NAI Ball has partnered up with the National Collegiate Baseball Writers Association. Mark Atkins over at Morningside is helping us out with that. So what does that mean? The NCBWA has now its own independent NAI poll for top 25. It will also have a national player and pitcher freshman of the week. I believe we're going to call it rookie of the week. And that is huge. The NCBWA is recognized by the NCAA across all three divisions. So if you go to NCAA rankings websites, that poll is recognized by the NCAA in Division One, Two, and Three. I mean, this is something to really be excited about. I'm so pumped about this to be able to have our own media poll in the NAI and to be able to give away our own Player of the Week awards that will be voted on by people all across the nation. So this is going to be a really cool opportunity. At the same time, in the next couple of weeks here, not even weeks, days, in the next couple of days here, we're going to be having our first NAI Ball article come out on Baseball America. And Cody, I mean, I'm sure you're excited about that. I'll, I'll get into it after how excited I am about it after after you. But I mean, all of this growth for us here at NAI Ball, and it's not just you and I that that are excited about it because now this encompasses everyone in the community and it's more coverage for the people around the nation. Absolutely. We're just continuing to try to expand uh, the NEI baseball game. We're trying to change the stigma and we just love talking about NEI baseball. Uh, we're really appreciative for JJ Cooper for allowing us this opportunity and to be able to do it with the back end of baseball America is incredible. So shout out to JJ Cooper over at baseball America could not have done this without him. He was excited about this as we are. I mean, for myself, it's, I know for Cody, you know, it, it's, a, it's something that's probably a dream coming to fruition. I mean, it's, it's basic, it's essentially America's largest baseball magazine. It has been since the seventies. Every single major league baseball team uses their prospectus, uses some form of their work. They 
put out so much information on prospects and things like that. So I am so pumped to be able to have the NAI covered more in depth. And we won't just have one like preseason type article coming up. No, this is going to be into the postseason with the national tournament and playoffs as well as World Series coverage. It is going to be awesome. Again, thank you to J.J. Cooper. Thank you to everybody at the NCBWA for all of their help in allowing not just NAI ball to grow, but really the continuance of showing people that this is the best baseball brand out there. I mean, I really believe that outside of the major D1s, so many of these teams can compete on a lot of levels, especially D2 and definitely D3. So I'm excited about this. And I think that this is just going to get better and better for NAI ball and for the nation as we grow. And we'll work on some of the other stuff coming up also. So growing every year, getting better every year. So now let's take a look at what happened in the best of this past weekend. We got a lot to cover. First, we will start with the Maricopa Cup results. Ben Umesa wins the Maricopa Cup. So basically what this was was the four teams in Maricopa County in Arizona playing each other. Ben Umesa is crowned champion of Maricopa County, going 3-0 in the tournament, round-robin style. Pretty much every team got to host one game. Ben Mesa goes 3-0. Arizona Christian 2-1. Park Gilbert 1-2. And then Ottawa, Arizona goes 0-3. Cody, you got to watch some of these games. Give me your thoughts on this. Well, for one, I think this is a really good tournament. I think it's great for the state of Arizona. It's really quality baseball in Arizona, especially high school baseball in Arizona right now. I was really impressed with Benedictine Mesa. They trailed 3-1 in the bottom of the ninth the other night to Gilbert, uh, struck out to lead off the inning down 3-1, and they rallied, scored three runs at the bottom of the ninth, walked off, got that win came back the next day and beat Arizona Christian. Uh, I think Benedictine Mesa is going to get over the hump this year and make the national tournament. I could 100% see that, and that's something that we'll talk about more when we go over our top 25 rundown later in the show here. So, you know, I, I think this was such a great tournament for Arizona. I think it was great for people to be able to see the four teams in the county play each other and really just raise the awareness about NAI baseball in Arizona it started with one team in Arizona Christian it has now grown since then and from what I you know I understand it should be growing more as we look to get some of these other teams in there which we will talk about later other series that we want to highlight USAO wins the series versus Our Lady of Lake down in San Antonio Texas two games to one USAO won game one and two five three and twelve two drop game three nine to two middle Georgia State sweeps Thomas 13 zero two to one and nine eight that included a big comeback in the ninth inning of game number three. The Masters wins the series 2-1 to one versus Marymount. 10-1 to one victory in game one, 4-2 to victory in game two, and then drop game three, 6-5. William Jessup University sweeps Corbin, and Wayland Baptist sweeps York. So, Cody, there was a lot of action this past weekend. Obviously, thankfully, more action this weekend do any of these series kind of stand out to you? I know for myself, I think it's Wayland Baptist sweeping York because that was a team that really made some noise in the postseason last year. Yeah, absolutely. That would be the one that stood out to me. Yeah, York was a team that was the KCAC tournament runner-up. They upset, stunned Oklahoma City in the regional last year. So for Wayland Baptist to go out there and score as many runs as they did, that's really impressive. So let's take a look at some of our shout-outs and mentions from this past weekend. St. Catherine swept La Sierra in a four-game series over the weekend. 58 runs for USK. We saw some dominant pitching by the Swedes of Bethany. Jason Nallen, seven innings pitch, two hits, no runs, 15 strikeouts. And then Manuel Rodriguez, six innings pitch, two hits, no runs, and 11 strikeouts. University of Southwest first baseman Tariq Levick finished Sunday five for six with two doubles and six RBIs. Vanguard first baseman Joe Johnson opened the season three for five with two home runs and six RBIs. Antelope Valley out of California defeated Hope International 8-7 in 13 innings. University Antelope Valley Chris Cook kept the game alive with an RBI single with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and hit the game-winning walk-off in the bottom of the 13th. So big-time job there by Antelope Valley's Chris Cook. Westcliff University out of Irving, California, and Park University Gilbert in Arizona will join the CalPAC next season, contingent on NAI acceptance in March, which is likely to happen. And then in the Appalachian Athletic Conference, Columbia International out of South Carolina will play their first baseball game this weekend 
against Weber International. Cody, which of those shout-outs and mentions really stood out to you? I was really impressed with St. Catherine. He scored 58 runs in four games. That's super impressive. And I'm looking forward to see Columbia International. Tough test. Your first game's on the road against a nationally ranked team in Weber. It's going to be tough. Hey, Cody, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Vanguard first baseman Joe Johnson did some major damage at the plate last year on opening day. This year, only two home runs. I think he hit uh, something like three last year. Well, he had four, so he has six home runs to start the year. He is quite the starter. I mean, Joe Johnson with some big power numbers when the year gets going. That's six home runs the last two seasons combined just on opening day. So that's our shout-outs and mentions. This past weekend, I got to take in game number three between Our Lady of the Lake and USAO, and really it was some great hospitality from Brian Ogney. And Coach Flores out there in San Antonio, Texas, wanted to thank them for everything. Really quickly, taking a look at that series that we got to watch a little bit more in depth. In that third game, Olu just was basically all go. They did everything right. Every situational play they came up against, they did all of that right. Just clicked all around for them. That's why they came out with a 9-2 to win in that series in game number three. Got to give a shout out. To left fielder Jacob Montejano, he went 4-for-4 four four with three RBIs in that game. 6-for-10 overall with five RBIs. And then Jose Diaz really surprised me coming out of the pen. I heard he had a good arm. Was not expecting him to work into the low 90s. Definitely great for him. Our Lady of Lake is a very young team, Cody, that I think can really compete in the Red River Athletic Conference. And I think since that conference gets two bids, a huge opportunity for them to make the national tournament there. So really a good showing by Coach Ogney and Coach Flores for their team, but another test in Central Methodist coming in this weekend. For USAO, it was just a little bit flat in Game 3. They made some errors that really, when the season gets rolling, they won't make those errors. You know, just simple plays that need to be completed. Coach Mike Ross will definitely work with his team to finish that. They should not have made those four errors. A lot of good for USAO that's going to happen for them during the season when they're able to click. I was really surprised with how huge, I mean big, Colton Williams and Matt Merrill are. They're they're really, really big dudes. Williams, 88-89 with great location, according to scouts, as well as Matt Merrill with just a big-time showing on the radar gun, topping out at 96, and this was like all the way into the third, so definitely a huge job done for him there. I think Ian Laureano... Christian LeBoy, Luis Palau, and then the catcher, Pena, are going to have a really good season, and that middle of the order is going to be awesome for USAO this year. I think that they will hunt for Lewiston once again, Cody. Uh, so definitely wish you could have been there with me, but definitely some great baseball. I know you got to watch a lot of that series. Tell me a little bit about what you saw. Yeah, I just thought that was a really competitive series. You know, the first game, Our Lady of the Lake led as late as the fifth inning, I believe. Really competitive first game. Uh, second game, USAO blew them out. And third game, Our Lady of the Lake was able to blow USAO out. So, you know, it really came down to that first game of the series. And uh, hats off to the Drovers. But I was really impressed with Our Lady of the Lake. And like you said, this is a two-team bid in the RRAC. Uh, they were really close on Alexandria last year. So I'm looking forward to that. So let's take a look at our first NAI Ball Podcast Players of the Week. Cody, our Pitcher of the Week is Our Lady of the Lake University Pitcher Jonathan Jimenez, seven innings pitch, four hits, one run, one earn, and four Ks in the win versus number three USAO, which is a big-time lineup that he got to pitch against. And then the hitter of the week is Wayland Baptist University, Luis Vargas, three home runs in a single game versus York. You know, Tell me about how these performances stood out to you a little bit. Yeah, I was super impressive, Vargas. I mean, to have three home runs on opening day with seven RBIs, that's just ridiculous. And yeah, just to go seven innings, one earned against USAO, that's incredible. He was a no-brainer for Pitcher of the Week to me. Just the level of competition he did that against on opening day to go seven, that's good stuff. Yeah, Jimenez mixed his speeds well. He definitely pitched well, located well, as well as forced so much weak contact. I know somewhere somebody's going, oh, well, he only had four strikeouts, but the amount of weak contact balls in play that he forced against USAO was was absolutely incredible. It was the highlight of the performance. Only had 81 pitches at the end of seven. Definitely could have gone back out there for the eighth. Coach Ogney keeping him in, not wanting to waste anything else out of him, and his bullpen got the job done. So definitely a great job there. 
by Our Lady of Lake pitcher Jonathan Jimenez, and then Luis Vargas, three home runs. Anytime you hit three home runs in a game, you're probably going to win this award unless somebody hits four. So congratulations to Jonathan. Congratulations to Luis. Just wanted to take some time to remind everybody at home that Silverback Sports is the official sponsor of the NAI Ball Podcast, the alpha in arm care and training essentials, premium and durable materials for individual use and team use. Always available at shopsilverback.com. That's shopsilverback.com. Unlock the silverback in you. Cody, earlier today, we got to talk to Westmont head baseball coach Rob Ruiz. He joins the show to talk to us more about baseball on the West Coast in the NAI and the upcoming Calderon Invitational. Joining us now on the NAI Ball Podcast, all the way out from California, is the man himself, the head man at Westmont. That's Coach Rob Ruiz. Coach Ruiz, thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us. I know you're actually at practice right now as we speak. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me and uh, appreciate my team giving me a chance to step away for a minute. Uh, Fortunate to have a coaching staff that could take over batting practice for a few minutes here and really excited to spend some time with you guys and talk about NAI baseball. We are definitely looking forward to that, Coach, and, and really we want to get a better idea of what is going on this season with Westmont baseball. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what we can expect from Westmont? Yeah, you know, this is a, this is a really difficult year to predict for Westmont. I think, uh, uh, you know, we're excited about the season ahead of us. We've got one game under our belt. Uh, probably one of the earliest games we've played in my career. I think we opened January 21st. We're fortunate to get some pretty good weather, but um you know, we're we're coming into the 2020 season with a team that graduated 15 start or 15 seniors out of last year's program. A lot of four-year guys being in that 15-man group, and uh, you know, amongst those guys were starting catcher, third baseman, shortstop, center fielder, left fielder, and our number one pitcher. Um, so that's a big, big hit to the program in terms of just experienced guys. Um, uh, and, you know, the center fielder was an All-American and all-conference catcher. Um, so, you know, we're losing, we're losing a pretty solid group of guys. But we, uh, we regrouped this year with a lot of freshmen, which is pretty typical for our program, kind of what we've done historically. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the group that we have. It's just there's a lot there, – there are – there's a, a really clean mix, I think, for us of experience and then – inexperienced young guys um and anyone who follows the game knows that you know that could lead to a whole lot of things um so you know uh so far i'd say our starting rotation is really experienced and i think that's going to keep you in ball games our closer bailey reed is relatively proven um and i think a pretty high level prospect and has the chance to be a pretty special arm here and at the next level so I feel pretty good about that, um, but uh, you know, and then and then we've got some bullpen arms with some experience, and then a lot of freshmen behind those guys. So, how quickly those guys develop, you know, over the course of the season, playing a four-game series every week, I think that's going to tell a lot about how our season ends up. You know, guys that can kind of fill the gaps, plug the holes, that can bridge the gap to the to the back end of the bullpen on the weeks that we need it. If our young guys continue to develop, you know, we'll be there, and if not, it'll be we'll be in some battles. Um, and then on the position side, you know, we return Travis Vandermolen, who's been, you know, a four-year contributor for us at first base. Uh, Taylor Garcia, who started at, thir- at second for the last two years and been a pretty high-level contributor. Isaiah Leach. So there's a handful of guys in the lineup that um, that have played and played regularly. Um, and there's a lot of new faces. So, um, you know, we had a freshman in on opening day starting at short, a freshman catching. Um one freshman arm and, and it's going to potentially be in the rotation or a top arm out of the pen. So, uh, like I said, it's, it's a really interesting mix for us. It's, it's kind of unlike the last few years. We've had a lot more upper class depth. And, and I think, you know, we're going to, time's going to tell. The next month and a half is going to tell me a lot about this team and where we're headed. Coach, two of the players you mentioned, two of the better players in the country, Travis Vandermolen, Bailey Reed. Vandermolen hit two yep. home runs on opening day. Bailey Reed obviously got the save. Just talk about their game yep. and what makes them so special. Yeah, Travis is just unbelievably like consistent as a human being, not just as a player. And I think um, it's been fun to coach him for four years. He's grown and developed as a as a hitter. He's always really been uh, 
kind of a lights out first baseman for us. So just defensively, he's a huge asset. We he got hurt last year halfway through the season, and we lost his bat for a good chunk of it. And he actually didn't come back until the opening round. He wasn't even on the he wasn't even on the the 25 man roster at the GSAC conference tournament last year. So we dealt with a lot of injury in the back half of our season last year, but he's back to full health this year and he just looks a lot better obviously had a great opening day um, but he'll just be a consistent kind of presence in the middle of our lineup and and kind of locks it down at first he's one of those guys you feel comfortable if the ball's anywhere near the bag we're going to be okay and he can he can handle the short game and and just kind of command things in the infield so um yeah that's the type of kid he is and, and just a really quiet but but good leader um and then bailey i mean it's his electric stuff i mean his thing is you know he, he didn't throw a ton of innings last year um, but you know, he's been up to 95 and his breaking ball is really good. And, uh, he's really, I think the key for him is he's, he learned to control the, his command for his fastball has gotten a lot better this year. And, uh, so, you know, we're hopeful that that continues to develop. I think, like I said, I think he's a prospect. I think he has a chance to be a big arm at the next level. Um, and the cool thing about Bailey, he's a four-year guy and, uh, um, he didn't pitch in high school. He's a converted guy. He's, he was a third baseman in high school and started pitching, kind of halfway through his freshman year here and and he's he's worked his way into the place he is right now it's pretty fun to watch and he's just uh he's fired up about pitching you know i mean it's exciting to see the gains that he's made and the commitment he's he's just put into his own development and so um yeah i mean i think he's going to be certainly a guy that we look to as kind of a, a high level leader for us at the back end obviously throwing strikes and not putting guys on. He walked a couple guys on opening day. I think that's pretty common, but um, we, we need to we need to minimize that so uh, so we can get as much out of him as possible on a weekend. That's kind of the that what we're looking forward um, looking for out of him as things progress forward. If that makes sense, Coach. One of the things I'm really interested about is learning more about the GSAC and really out there on the West Coast we have the GSAC and the CalPAC, and really a lot of it just seems to be dog eat dog. I mean, you see these teams with these good records but they just beat each other and continually beat each other. And it's just madness. It seems like every year when I look at the GSAC standings, what can you tell me about NAI baseball on the West coast? Yeah, I, I really appreciate that question. And uh, um, I will say, you know, um, that has been my experience historically in my time in this conference. Um, there's a lot of competitive depth, obviously from our uh, vantage point and our perspective. Um, and I've had this conversation in my time in the NAI with coaches across the country. It's really hard to gauge when we don't see each other that often. Um, to give you some context of my time in the GSAC and the NAI, I've been a, I was an assistant coach for five years at Azusa Pacific. Uh, when they were still NAI, we took two trips to Lewiston. In fact, in that year that Bo Mills had that breakout year you guys talked about the other day, uh, we, we played them in the supers and then, and then out in Lewiston and we saw some of those 36 home runs and he was a special player. Um, but uh, I spent five years there and I've been at Westmont now for 11 years. So I've been in the NAI and the GSAC now for 16 years and kind of watched this play out over, over a long period of time. And uh, you know, year in, year out, I think what you said is absolutely true. It's kind of dog eat dog. Our teams beat up on each other. Um, one of the biggest challenges we have on the West coast is just, the opportunity to see teams from other parts of the country. And uh, it's really tough uh, to get games scheduled and get teams out. It's not an easy bus ride. It's, it's typically not a bus ride at all. It's a plane flight. And, uh, and so, um, you know, in the recent years, we've, we've moved from re regionalization to opening rounds. And I think that's given us a much greater context that, you know, I mean, last year, uh, USAO is at our place and William Jessup goes out to St. Thomas and they play into the championship game against them and hopes out at Faulkner and USAO and Westmont are all three of us are, you know, all three of those GSAC teams are in the championship game against perennial powerhouse programs and, and played some great games. And, uh, you get a chance to kind of get a feel for what is the, what is the best team in that conference or one of the best teams in that conference look like. And we use some of those things to see how we stack up, um, and we've used those as measures in the past. We've also looked at things like number of players drafted, and we've had a fairly high number out of our conference over the years. Um, number of teams getting to Lewiston, you know, we've had, we, I think we've had, a, as a GSAC, we've had a relatively high level of success in getting teams out there. And, um, and so we've looked at some of those things, but, you know, I think, um, I think that we believe that the strength of our conference is, is there's depth and there's strength. And I think that be, beating each other up is, partially just a function of the fact that we play each other so much because we can't get other games. 
um, you know, this year we're, we're all trying to find creative ways to play each other. Cause I think it's just good for NAI baseball in general for teams out of region to play each other. Um, but it's tough on everybody. It's tough on budgets. You know, we have all these teams going out to Arizona next week and I think that's going to be, um, or this week, I'm sorry. And that's going to be awesome. And, uh, and then next week we've got Oklahoma Wesleyan and, um, uh, IU Kokomo coming out. I mean, there's, there's going to be some good games that are happening. Avila's coming out to hope this weekend. Um, you're seeing a little bit more of it happening and we're finding creative ways to do that. And uh, I think, again, I think that's going to be good for NAI baseball, but I think, you know, I, I would say GSAC baseball is strong as it's been. And, uh, and I think that you're going to continue to see teams beat up on each other. Um, you know, there's just, there's always been a lot of parity. There's been competitive depth. I wouldn't say top to bottom, but, you know, usually you find that you don't know the GSAC regular season champion until usually it's the final weekend of, of the regular season, if not the weekend before that, um, because it's just close. It's a tight race, and uh, and we have beat up on each other. But, you know, when we've been spread out into several different opening rounds, it's, you know, in, in, in recent years, we've had a couple teams get to Lewiston, and we try, we, tr- we try to use those things as a gauge for where we stack up across the country. We know there's great conferences, and, um, and some are fortunate to be able to play teams from a bunch of different conferences. We just don't get that opportunity. And so, um, you know, I've always been an advocate for what we do out here and, uh, and for NAIA NAI baseball in general. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to continue to see that happen. And I think for, for schools and programs that wonder – what that means. I think it's really just, like I said, a function of, you know, like last few years, Westmont's played hope a couple games a season in non-conference games, just because, you know, that's going to be a better boat chip game for me than, than maybe something else I could potentially get as a midweek. And so we just play each other so much. And, uh, and sometimes you'll see us beating up on each other, but I think usually by the end of the season, it works itself out. Coach, you mentioned it a minute ago. Talk about bringing in a perennial power in a team like Oklahoma Wesleyan, a team that's been to the World Series multiple times, and then you're also bringing in a team, a newcomer, Indiana Kokomo. How did that come about, and uh, how does that benefit your program to play teams like that? Uh, yeah, so uh, Coach Full over at Hope and myself just been talking about the same question, you know, like how do we – what's go, what, what's the state of our conference? How do we stack up, and, and how do we get good games, and what's good for the NAI in general, and um, – so we just try to find ways maybe to put together a guarantee for some teams to come out that might have a little more incentive to get them out here. You know, we generally get good weather and have some good facilities. And, uh, and so Eric over at Hope did a really good job of kind of facilitating the whole thing. But, um, but you know, he found a way to get those teams out. And I think what that does is it, it, it should be a great experience and opportunity for all the programs involved in this. And uh, I'd love to see it more. It's just really a financial thing. I don't think anybody's unwilling to play on either side of it. I just think it's how do we figure it out financially, you know, when, uh, when a lot of schools can get on a bus and go four hours and play good teams from other conferences. Um, for us, this is, this is what it looks like. Teams flying in. You got to make sure we get all of our games in. If we hit any weather, we got to find turf fields. Like we can't lose these games. And so it just becomes more of a production. Um, but I think it means a lot, you know, obviously I told you guys, um, I'm still, you know, there's still a lot of questions about our team this year, given what we lost and all the newcomers we have. I really like our team. I love our guys. They're good guys. They work hard, but we're still relatively unknown in some areas and, and there's some things we got to figure out. And so, you know, I joked with, uh, with my, one of my assistant coaches the other day, said, you know, this last year might've been the year to, to really have this, this series with, with Kokomo and with, uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan when we had, we had more of an experienced team to really see how we line up, but, you know, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to playing those guys and, and I have a lot of respect for their coach and their program. And I think they do a great job. And so it's going to be a a cool experience for us to be able to see them kind of head to head on our, on our campus. And the same was true last year with the teams that came out for the opening round, you know, you guys got to see USAO in their opener. We had them in the opening round here and just, you know, I've seen them play before, but to, to play them head to head on our campus, you know, it, it left us feeling like, man, if we could pull this off more often in the GSAC, if we could find a way to get some of these teams out and play. It was one of the better baseball games I've ever been a part of. Obviously, they have a great program and they had a great team last year. I'm sure they're going to be really good again this year. But just the back and forth of that game, going to extras, uh, ended in dramatic fashion. But it was just a very well-played baseball game. It was uh, kind of a dogfight to the finish. And um and uh, it, it's what you want to see in, in good college baseball. And so 
um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to having those teams come out this year. We know they're both really good programs, and I think it's going to be good for NAI baseball. Coach, you know, you, you talked a little bit about it, but just I really want you to walk us through this big tournament, the Calderon Invitational, LCSC, University of Southwest, Antelope Valley, Westmont, Taylor, Arizona Christian, and really how you've prepared your team for this tournament and some of the big names that you'll be playing. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is new for us. As you guys know, this is a new like, – we haven't really done anything like this, but it's also coming out of the same conversation. The, the points you guys bring up are excellent. You know, we're trying to answer some of those questions. You know, regardless of the outcome of these games, it's a chance for us to see great teams and for them to see us and for us to get a gauge on teams from other parts of the country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking forward to it. In terms of how we prepare our team, it's still January, you know, I mean, like, uh, um, I think everybody's trying to get their teams ready as fast as we can, but I think that, you know, I think the LC team we're going to see this weekend is probably going to be a lot better in March. And I would certainly hope the same would be true for Westmont. So I think we're going to get a gauge of the type of athletes we have, some of the arms we have, but, you know, I don't think we're going to be mid season form, uh, this weekend. And I don't expect anyone to be, but I think you're going to see some really good baseball and, uh, and we'll probably all learn a lot about our teams and about the level of, you know, high quality, high quality, high caliber teams in the NAI. Coach Ruiz, we just wanted to thank you for taking some time out of your day. I know your team's practicing right now, but definitely just thank you for sitting down and talking with us about Westmont, about baseball on the West Coast, and just everything that you poured into this interview. So we definitely appreciate it here at NAI Ball, and we look forward to talking to you a little bit further down the road. Hey, thank you, guys. I appreciate everything you guys are doing for our sport and our level. Uh, it means a ton to every coach in the organization. And I know some guys tell you that, but uh, but we certainly feel it, and we appreciate everything you guys are doing. Thank you, Coach. Thanks. So thanks to Westmont head coach Rob Ruiz for joining us on the NAI Ball podcast. Always great to get new ideas and new takes on baseball around the nation in the NAI. A huge thanks to him for taking some time out of his day and away from his practice schedule. We move on now to the top 25 rundown. And Cody, we really want to look at some of the teams who could make the biggest jumps from around the nation. We'll start at the very top. Number 25, we've got a tie between Campbellsville out of Kentucky and Benu Mesa. 24th is Mobile. 22nd, a tie between IU Southeast and Middle Georgia State. And then 21st is Lyon. What kind of jumps off to the page here for yourself of these teams? I really like Indiana Southeast. They're my pick to win the River States this year. They have an All-American potential second baseman, Clay Wost. He's really good, 34 stolen bases last year, hit well over 300. Uh, Hunter Cloak is a new arm for them. He's going to pitch in the Cape Cod this year. Uh, he's going to be really good. He's their top rotation guy. I really like their catcher, Brody Tankersley. He hit 338. I like their chances. I like their path. You got to win the conference. They're going to get in the national tournament. And uh, I like them as an underdog to maybe make Lewis. And I really like this team. I really want to look a little bit deeper at Ben Mesa because this is a team that a lot of people, and especially around Arizona, felt that Ben Mesa should have been the last team in. Instead, they, were, they stayed at home. They didn't make the tournament. And in the NAI, I, you'll hear me rail about this all year long but I think we do it backwards where there's more overall automatic bids than there are at-large bids, and I think that's so backwards. And really what it comes down to is Ben Mesa being a product of, while they had 44 wins, didn't get into the tournament because that at-large number just keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, and I've been there where you're waiting to get in twice in my career where you're sitting at home and you're just hoping that your name comes out on that video or on that list that you make it to the national tournament. And so I've been in their shoes in both disappointment that you're not in and then jubilation that you are. And it's unfortunate for them. I think they were a really good ball club and just did not make it this past year. I I really think that they get that opportunity. They make the national tournament and they're going to make some noise and move up in these rankings in the next coaches poll in March. Yeah, they definitely have a chance. I really like being you. They're off to a hot start. Like you said, you start three, and know, um, I like their opportunity. I think last year they just came down to they didn't execute in the conference tournament. They went one and two, losing to Marymount, British Columbia, and it just cost them. But I, I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. I'm like you. I like them to win the Cal Pack. 
Cody, the other thing I really see in this group that we're talking about right now is we really don't know too much about Middle Georgia State. Obviously, they got the job done this weekend. They were able to pick up three wins against Thomas. They were able to really pull off a, a good comeback in that ninth inning. But basically, they have one starter from all of last year's lineup. I'm interested to see how they rebound. And then also, IU Southeast, I think you're totally on point with that. That That's a team that it would not surprise me. A few years ago, they were just one win away from making Lewiston against Kaiser. It would not surprise me if they get that opportunity again this year with some of the talent that Ben Real has. So now we move on to number 20, Central Methodist. Number 19, Lewis Clark State. Number 18, Bryan. Number 17, Texas Wesleyan. And 16th, Weber. Cody, once again, I turn it over to you to start us off here with this group. Yeah, I really like Lewis Clark State this year. They really underperformed last season, probably their worst team in a very long time. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, Coach Taylor recruited really well. You know, i got to give him his props. did a great job. Look at some of their newcomers. Jack Johnson transferred from University of Washington. Dalton Harum, a center fielder from Virginia Tech, who had a really good day today. Aiden Nagel, um, Luke Tedrick. They're just going to be really good. I think at the end of the day, Lewis Clark State's always really well coached. I think they're going to be really good offensively. Uh, they return, you know, the shortstop and second baseman, two local kids, A.J. Davis and Riley Way. So I like for Lewis Clark State to really be back where they were, you know, top 10 team. Talking about LCSC, I want to go over Zach Needham. And I think that he's a guy that a lot of people are going to look, and, and you and I kind of went over this when we were writing for Baseball America, especially talking about draft guys. But he's a guy that I could see from LCSC that gets drafted. And even though last year he really barely hit over 250, he still had 10 home runs and and really led the team in a lot of categories offensively outside of average and got the job done and had some good power numbers. And I think that's a guy that if he turns it on this year, is able to get in those 300s, that's a guy for LCSC that we, I think, in my own opinion, has the opportunity to get drafted. He played today for LCSC, hitting that three spot against William Jessup. So really, I think that's where he's going to sit most of the year. Uh, also, Dylan Plue from Washington State. That's a guy that's been drafted before playing at LCSC. That's another big name to watch this season. I'm also kind of interested in seeing, really, Weber International. That's a team, basically, that's all brand new. Even a new head, head coach, the hammer's out. He's retired. I'm really interested to see what Weber International brings to the table. They got two good wins over Warner last season. The early part of their schedule was the toughest part of the year for them. Now they don't have that tough beginning part of the schedule. They still have the Sun Conference grind, best conference in the nation, in my opinion. And then they've got GGC tucked away in there in the middle of the season. So I'm interested to see that. Cody, I think Central Methodist is another team for us to be watching sitting at the 20 spot. Yeah, Central Methodist is going to be really good this year. They returned Mason Schwellenbach, preseason All-American, one of the best pitchers in the country, struck out 107 last season. Um, he also plays third base. He's a really good hitter for them. They returned first baseman Logan Herring. He's been a first-teamer the last two years. You look at shortstop Sergio Macias, first-team guy, won a gold glove. And they expect big things from Kenny Otero. He's a D1 transfer from Abilene Christian. He's going to be a starting pitcher and an outfielder. So I really like Central Methodist. You know, their coach, they believe they're going to be more athletic, and their team is probably going to be playing in the top 15. Could totally see that. It'll be interesting to see what Central Methodist does this weekend against Our Lady of the Lake. We will move on here and move into the top 15 with number 15, Westmont. Number 14, William Jessup. 13, Oklahoma Wesleyan. 12, LSU Shreveport, and number 11, Cumberlands. Cody, really, I think there's some big-name teams here in the NAI over the last couple of years, and so I really want your take on teams like Westmont and LSU Shreveport. Well, I think Shreveport has the potential to be really good. You know, they have a new head coach for the first time in a long time, and Brad Neffendorf, he's going to do really good things. But they return a lot of talent. Third baseman All-American Peyton Robertson, he hit 387 last year. You look at the shortstop Austin McNicholas, he's a really good kid, really talented, had 20 doubles. Taylor Fajardo hit 17 home runs. I mean, if they can pitch it, they're going to be really good because they can hit. Akari Gale's a top prospect. He's going to play in the outfield there. I really like Shreveport. They're going to be able to hit the baseball. What do you think about Westmont? I mean, obviously, we just talked to Coach Rob Ruiz. I think Westmont's going to be one of those teams that – while you and I may not get to see him because it's one of the things we talked about, we can't get out to the West Coast as freely as we would like to, and we'd love to go out there and just spend a week watching baseball. But we know who some of the big names are. We know like who Bailey Reed is. 
What do you think Westmont brings to the table sitting at number 15? So I think that they're going to be a top 25 team. I just don't know where they're going to be at. Like Coach Reese says, they're young. And uh, let's see what they do this week. I think that's going to be a big test for them. Moving on here to the top 10 teams in the nation. And Cody, this is where we really start to hit some of the names hard. Some of the big time teams in the NAI. Number 10, Oklahoma City University. Number 9, Indiana Tech. Number 8, Freed Hardeman. Number 7, Bellevue. And number 6, Faulkner. Cody, let's start with Oklahoma City. The Stars, Coach Denny Crayball, one win away from a huge 1,500 in his career. They play York this weekend. I think they've got a really good shot to get that, but really they've got an amazing shot to set themselves up for success all throughout the season. Yeah, they're loaded. I mean, no one gets more D1 transfers than Oklahoma City. They're really good. Tyler Williams is a stud, you know, transfer from Arizona State. He's a top three prospect in the country. Uh, He's just going to be absolutely insane again this year. Dalton Reed's a Juco All-American coming over from the University of Kentucky. Gunnar Halter, he's going to be an infielder. He hit 287 last year in the SEC at Mississippi State. They're always going to be able to hit. It's going to be a matter of whether or not they can pitch. You know, they lost Bryce Milligan. So if they're going to be able to pitch this year, they're obviously going to have a shot to make the World Series. So I really like Oklahoma City. It's just going to come down to pitching. I think Freed Hardeman is one of those teams that's that's really underrated. Uh, I think that they are one of those teams that is going to be in the top five here at some point this season. They return so many players, so I'm really looking forward to that. But, Cody, outside of FHU in this top ten, Bellevue has a lot of question marks, in my opinion, at number seven. They've got a lot of new faces. Dwayne Monlux is a great coach. I think they've got a huge opportunity to do some good things this year with who they brought in and who they return. But there's a lot of question marks for me at that seven spot in Bellevue. Yeah, the plus side for the Bruins is they returned starting pitcher Jared Poe. You know, he was a beast for them last year. Had an ERA of 206. Um, he's just going to be a dude again. They returned first baseman Riley Bosch, who was incredible at the World Series last year. Had a really great performance. And they returned their second baseman, Cody Banks. They returned Tommy Hansen. Uh, I like the UNC Greensboro transfer, Corey Jackson. They're obviously high on him. So if he gives them good innings on the mound, they expect to have good depth pitching-wise. You know, I like them to win the North Star and get that bid to the national tournament. Cody, one team I want to stand out on its own is number six, Faulkner. This is a team that lost a lot of players, but every year just seems to absolutely reload. This is a team that, and it, not just a team, but a school in Faulkner that has become a blue blood as of late. They've won a national title. They've been to the World Series just so many years in a row. Here at NAI Ball, we have a saying, death, taxes, and Faulkner to the World Series. There's been years where we're so confident in their ability as a team where I've just said, you know what, it's Faulkner versus the field. This is an incredible ball club in Faulkner, and I'm really interested to see how they reload this year. I know Sean Ross is an excellent player. He's really a draft pick looking guy in the infield for them. Who are some of the dudes at Faulkner that stand out for you? I think the starting pitcher, Antonio Frias, you know, he didn't have the World Series he wanted to last year, but he had an incredible season. He was sensational in Juco. I think he's really good. Bubba Sangster, he's a guy that's dealt with some injuries, but he's good to go. And I think people are calling him like a mini Hulk. So he's going to be a player to produce for them. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens at Faulkner this season. It'll be something that not just we at NAI Ball will be keeping our eye on, but across the nation, people will be watching. So Cody, Top five, here they are right here, right now. Number five, Georgia Gwinnett. Number four, Southeastern University. Number three, University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma. Number two, St. Thomas University out of Miami, Florida. And number one, the defending national champion, Tennessee Wesleyan. Cody, obviously we could spend all day talking about all of these teams, but really Who jumps off the page the most to you about who's got that ability to be number one in March when the next poll comes out? I really still like Tennessee Wesleyan. Coach Billy Berry can recruit. I mean, he may be one of the best recruiters in the country, but I really like this team. They bring back six position starters. Uh, Bryce Giles was the World Series MVP. He's coming back. Catcher Shamoy Christopher was all World Series team. He's coming back. They bring back outfielder Dan Fry. And I just, like I said, I think they recruited really well. They lose a lot of pitching. Everyone's going to talk about they lost a ton of arms. And uh, I like Kobe Foster. His numbers are incredible. 119 ERA, 102 strikeouts in 75 innings last year in Juco. They bring back Irving Martin. He was a really good pitcher for them. Picked up two wins last year over Gwinnett. Uh, he was able to record the final out in Lewiston. 
I mean, you look at another player they bring in, Gary Mattis, who's first team all Arizona. He stole 67 bases last season. I mean, so I'm just looking forward to seeing that guy play. I think he can recruit. I think the people they bring back are really good. I like Tennessee Wesleyan. Here's my thing with Tennessee Wesleyan, Cody. And, you know, I, I, I love Billy Barry. He's talked to us on this podcast one of the most times ever. And he's a guy that this is an act. Actually, this is a Tennessee Wesleyan team that at this time last year was the team I picked to win the World Series when we did our first episode last season. But here's the truth is that these guys he's bringing in on the mound have to step up because he is replacing 350 plus innings pitched from last season. And that's a really tough gut punch when you look at it and you see the pitching staff that he had last year. I think he's going to be able to replace that weekend staff, but is he going to be able to replace the guys in the bullpen, the guys who will make that big impact in the pen, who will be able to come in late in the game in pressure situations and get those final couple of outs. I'm really interested in seeing if Tennessee Wesleyan can replace 350 plus innings. I think they just have to do it to a certain extent and they'll be good to go. Another team that I think can be number one to answer my own question would be Southeastern. I don't think they're 100% right now. I don't think they're ready to roll. But I think once they they get going, there's the arms and there's definitely the bats in the lineup to make good things happen. You're talking about Zach Cornell. Nick Patari is back. He played cleanup for SEU when they were in, in the national championship run. He was a cleanup hitter. Missed all of last season due to injury. He's back and ready to go. So I'm really interested. I think... SEU can be there. I could see Tennessee Wesleyan if they're able to get the arms rolling. The only thing I would add on that is I don't think it's going to matter too much. I mean, I just, I think they're so good offensively. I mean, you're going to have to outscore them. And that was the thing last year in Lewiston. I mean, they just outscored everyone. They were just out hitting people and they bring back six people to add some really good Juco players. Uh, I just think that they're going to score a lot of runs. So you're going to have to score to beat that team. Cody, really science and arts of Oklahoma is another team with a lot of factors in there. I got to see them this weekend. It wasn't their best game, but at the same time, you can see all the pieces are there to not just hunt for Lewiston, but to hunt to be one of those final teams on that final day playing for something. Yeah, absolutely. Their pitching staff is the best in the country, in my opinion, returning on paper. I mean, we'll have to see it play out, but on paper, they're really good. They returned the National Pitcher of the Year in Colton Williams. Matt Merrill, sensational sophomore, struck out 120-plus batters last year in his freshman season. He said he up to 96 this past weekend. Uh, Montana threw a no-hitter last year. He had a no-hitter into the seventh against Southeastern at the World Series last year. Um, you look at a guy like Velez out of the pen, I just think their pitching is so good. If they can get it done offensively, they got to replace a lot. They have pieces, like you said, Palio, LaBoy. If they can hit and score the runs, they're going to be in Lewiston again. St. Thomas University is a team that has to replace quite a bit as well. And not just in the lineup, but on the mound. I'm, I really want to see. I know they've got some guys that will throw gas in Tehran as well as, uh, you know, Andrew Murphy. I'm just interested to see St. Thomas, number two in the nation right now. Cody, in your opinion, where do you see St. Thomas in March in this next poll? Uh, I think it's so early to tell. The one thing I'll say about St. Thomas is they had, I mean, they finished number two in the country last year. Some of those players on those teams were there for the World Series the year before. So they were losing kids that were on the 2018 and 2019. Uh, so it's just going to be hard to say, can you do better than second place? That's obviously a really tough bar to set. Uh, I don't know, but we're going to see. They always replace talent. And, uh, you know, the talent in the South Florida area is as good as anybody. Absolutely agree with that. Coach George Bettis is a great recruiter as well. And, St. Thomas in one of the best areas in the nation, in Miami, in South Florida, to really bring in talent and bring players to their campus. I think St. Thomas also is going to play an awesome schedule. They're going to head out to Louisiana in March. They're going to play LSU. They're also going to play Texas Southern. All of that will be at Alex Box Stadium. That's something that NAI Ball is definitely interested in being at this season, so I'm definitely interested in that. Georgia Gwinnett, Cody. Under new management for the first time in program history, Jeremy Sheetinger takes over the Grizzlies. What do you see out of GGC this year? Pitching-wise, this is going to be the strength of their team. Uh, Hunter Peck, Hunter Caudell, and Hunter Dolander are going to be the pitchers that need to carry them if they're going to make another trip to Lewiston. So they have starters that have all pitched in Lewiston before, but you know they just lost a lot, so we're going to see how they play out this year. Really, GGC, it's one of those programs that is – 
it, they're tough to play, and you get to be there all the time. And I, I really think it's a hard place to play. I've been there. I've experienced it myself. Tough to play in Gwinnett because the ball, first off, it does not fly out of that ballpark as it does in several places around, not just around the nation, but still even, you know, regular places. You're able to hit that ball out of the ballpark, you know, if you really square it up. At GDC, you don't just have to really square it up. I mean, you have to not just lay into that thing. It has to be squared up into the next county for it to be out of that ballpark. So tougher place to play. They're acclimated to that area. They have one of the best facilities in the nation. I'm really interested to see what Coach Jeremy Sheetinger has this season for the Grizzlies. Cody, moving on now to our Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week, and we will start things off with a Coach Calderon Invitational, number 19, Lewis Clark State, University of Southwest out of New Mexico, the University of Antelope Valley, and number 15, Westmont, along with Taylor, all the way out from Indiana, and then Arizona Christian. I think this is awesome, Cody, for NAI baseball. I think that this is something really good for the sport. It's some of the best teams out in the West getting to play each other. I think that it's it's a good way for teams to get games in because if Taylor just stays in Indiana, who knows when they'll even get to start the season. I think it's it's really good for the NAI to have all of these teams playing for playing each other. I think it's great to see LCSC get out and play some really good ball clubs early on in the season. Just what are your overall thoughts on this Coach Calderon Invitational that's happening down in Arizona this weekend? I think it's fantastic. Anytime you can mix the best teams against the best, it's great. Lewis Clark State played five ranked teams last year, and three of them were in Lewiston at the World Series. So, I mean, this is obviously a huge step up in competition from their last season. I think that's good for them. You look at a team like Taylor, they're about to play Westmont and LCSC. They're coming from Indiana to play the best of the best out west. I think that's great. Antelope Valley has been the CalPAC champion a couple of years running. Um, Arizona Christian was ranked in the top 25 last year. They made a national tournament. So I just think this is a really great field. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Southwest can do too. Our next Silverback Sports Big Series of the Week is an actual series, not a tournament. Number 13, Oklahoma Wesleyan, and number 21, Lion. Cody, tell us a little bit more about number 21, Lion, and what we can expect against Oklahoma Wesleyan this season. They're really excited at Lion this year. They return probably more depth than they've ever had on the mound. They have a lot of arms. They're able to go to just so many different pitchers this year. Alan West, one of the top freshmen in the country last year, hit 400. He's going to be back in the lineup, but he's also going to pitch for them this year. So you got to look out for him. He's going to do really well. You look at a kid like Ryan Porras, he's going to be good. Uh, first baseman Kylan Barnett is back. You look at the shortstop, Troy Strack, and I just really like Lyon. I think they're, they're going to have a really good season. They play in a tough conference. They got Mo Bath. They got Freed Hardeman, Columbia, and I like Lyon. Anytime you can take two teams from different conferences and play each other early, it helps both teams. Number 13, Oklahoma Wesleyan. We're going to see Cody Muncy, 8-for-12 in their first series against Bacone. One home run, four RBIs. This is a team that hit 383 against Bacone. One of the things we did not see in that series, he has not played yet, is Drenis Ozuna. I wonder if he's going to play. It's to be determined against number 21, Lyon. Pitching staff, 274 team ERA. We'll likely see Jacob Williams. Dawson Willis, and Cole Allen, who all pitched four innings in starts this past weekend with only one starter giving up runs. Last season, Oklahoma Wesleyan hit 326 as a team, and then they had a staff ERA of 389. This is a team that we're used to, Cody, not just being competitive in the NAI, but being competitive at a national level, whether it's for Lewiston last season, falling just short of Lewiston, losing to FHU, in the opening round tournament championship game. So I'm really interested to see this series between Oklahoma Wesleyan University and Lyon. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Coach Kelly play against his former team in Lyon. So they're obviously programs are really close and I'm looking forward to it. Last but not least here, it's the Silverback Sports NAI Ball Podcast Big Series of the Week. And that series is number four, Southeastern, versus number five, Georgia Gwinnett. And, Cody, I'll kick things off here with Southeastern University. I think the fire are loaded for 2020. They have a 2018 cleanup hitter from the national championship team back in Nick Batari, like we talked about earlier. They have so many names to watch that are new. Zach Cornell, Alpesto, Brian Garcia, Brendan Heiss, Sam Faith. I think 
all of those guys have opportunity not just to make an impact for SEU this year, but to get drafted. Almost the entire roster will be new, but they've reloaded. Southeastern University has been one of the best teams in the nation in the last couple of years, won a national championship in 2018. They are really, really good, and they are really loaded. A lot of the jobs will be up for grabs, so we really don't know who on this team is going to be playing where by the end of the season because there's just so much so much depth overall. SEU, I don't like I said earlier, I don't think they'll be 100% by game time, but as the season goes on, they're going to be a team that's really good and really a team that you're going to watch out for all season long. Cody, tell us a little bit more about the Grizzlies of Georgia Gwinnett. Well, they got a new head coach for the first time in program history in Jeremy Sheetinger, and they only returned three key position players and 100 innings on the mound from last year. So this is going to be like a brand new team working to find their identity early pretty quickly. Uh, on the plus side, they're starting pitching as good as anyone in the country. They returned Hunter Caudell, Hunter Dolander, and Hunter Peck. Um, all three of those pitchers have pitched in Lewiston. So this is just going to be a big opportunity for them. They have a lot of offensive potential. You look at some of their players like Nick Barnes, Cord Johnson, Livingston Morris in the outfield. A player to watch is uh, shortstop Gabe Howell. He's a draft prospect. He's transferring over from Bryan. Uh, he was drafted by the Braves previously, and you know he may be a leader on this team offensively. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Gabe Howell does this weekend. I think there's going to be so much overall to watch this weekend. I think these are the three biggest series or two biggest series and biggest tournament in the nation. I, I really think this is the biggest tournament, not just on the West Coast, but throughout the nation until we get going with conference tournaments. So, Cody, I'm really excited about this week because it's just the second weekend of the year and we've got some really good action coming up. Cody, before we let everyone go, I need you to let me know who you are picking right now to win your national championship. Just off cuff, totally let it rip right here. I'm picking Science and Arts of Oklahoma to win the national championship. I'm just taking their pitching. I think that Colton Williams, Matt Merrill, Mutainer, they're all going to get it done. They have three of the best arms in the country. Like I said earlier, Velez out of the bullpen is rock solid. Uh, I like them. If they can hit, and I think they can hit, you look at some of the players they bring back, Cleo, LaBoy, I, I think they can hit. Lorena, I mean, I like USAO. I think their pitching is going to get it done. I think when, when you look at what their pitching is going to be like in May and you have to face them in an opening round in a game one, game two, game three, it's going to be tough. So I just really like USAO, and uh, they're my pick to click this year. Only one person on this podcast ever has picked the national champion correctly, and <laughs> not to pat myself on the back, but that is me. Picked Tennessee Wesleyan last year, uh, and I've gone back and forth on on who I'm going to pick. Uh, you know what? I, I've got to take Southeastern. I'm, I'm a Sun Conference homer. I think they've got one of the best teams in the nation. They are loaded. If they can stay healthy, if they can continue on with what they're doing in the depth and making it work and clicking, I think they're going to be just absolutely incredible. They've got a bunch of high-velocity arms. They've got a bunch of dudes that can hit not just for average, but for power. So I think Southeastern would be my pick. And of course, we know I'm one for one all time, 100%. It's hard to beat that. So, <laughs> Cody, before we get rolling, man, finish this off here. Anything you want to say before we, we get off here? I'm just so excited the NEI season's back. You know, it's four months of baseball. It's all we get. And I'm just super pumped for it. Uh, it's my favorite time of the year. Louis, going to Lewiston, man, that's special. I like, I loved it. I've been twice now. I'll go back this year, and I, I can't wait until Memorial Day weekend. I'll be honest. I'm pumped. It is going to be absolutely incredible. I'm so excited for the season to get going. I'm so excited for y'all to grow with us here at NAI Ball. Thank you to Cody for sticking with us on this podcast, uh, even when I got my dinner delivered to me in the middle of the show. Thank you to Coach Rob Ruiz for taking some time out and sitting down with us here at NAI Ball. Thank you to everybody across the nation who has listened here and who has listened to every episode. This is episode three, or excuse me, season three, Cody, episode one of the NAI Ball podcast. We wouldn't want it any other way. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Silverback Sports. Thank you to Cody. Of course, follow NAI Ball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all of your information every single day. The most coverage in small college baseball not going to find anything better sub D1. You know what? I'm just going to say it. we're better than D1. We cover better than D1. So that's out there. That's out in the open now. Want to talk NAI baseball with myself, Robbie Gutierrez, 
can find me at Rob G1063. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day and an even better.